0: You're listening to Pastor Greg Voorhees, recorded at Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church, Sunday, December 24, 2023. For more information about SVBC, you can visit their website, svbcfamily.com, or find them on all things social, at svbcfamily. Most of the clips from that, uh, um, that last video come from the Passion of the Christ and the Nativity story. If you've never seen the nativity story, look for it. It, it is by far the, the best version of, of the of kind of the nativity story I've ever seen. And it, in fact, I just I just think it's great that even the actors, I mean, they actually look Jewish. <laughs> I mean, they, they don't always do that. I had there was one I was watching. They had a Kevin Sorbo when he was 60 playing Joseph. And I'm like, that this just doesn't make sense. And his and his wife was a was a redhead lady and, and it's just like they knew nothing about Middle Eastern people but it's you know it's, it's 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 all good it's all good but the the nativity story it was it was very well done it's old you know old not old old like it's not like Casablanca old but it's it's like fifteen twenty years I believe um, when I when we get done today. Um, I'm gonna dart out to my car. I was thinking about sitting here. The sign-up sheet for next week's uh, dinner is—it's actually in my car. So I'll—I'll I'll jet out there, grab that thing, put it back there, so you can sign up uh, what you—what you, uh, what, what you'd be bringing. Last night, and I'm not gonna spend much time on this because a lot of us were here last night. Uh, the candles of Advent, and—and and this is not a Hanukkah. This is not a Hanukkah menorah. You know, Hanukkah is over. We're not. I'm not focusing on that right now. But it is, it is a, it is a, a, a an actual, you know, Jewish menorah. Actually, I got that from. It actually came from uh, Israel. You know, so it's it's a pretty cool one. But the thing that I thought was interesting, is I've read about these, you know, these Advent candles. It's like I was talking about last night. The, you know, I grew up in traditional churches. But I, I just, I was young, you know, I think I remembered the whole, the whole thing with the candles, but I mean, you know, once you, once your life is measured and, and, and you know, scores instead of, you, you start forgetting things, you know, from your childhood. But I thought it was really interesting, because I've had to read about what each of these candles meant, we've been talking about them. But I, I, the thing that struck me, it was really odd, not even odd, it's kind of amazing was some of these advent candle sets uh, have five candles. In the the fifth one I was like what's why did some of this why did some of them have this white candle. Well it's it's the the servant candle. You know what what did we learn from from Eric last year and this year? In the menorah, like I said this is not a this is not a Hanukkah one, but this is this is an, this is an actual menorah. The center one is the servant candle who who does that represent we know that you know who is the servant it's it's, it's Jesus so this same and I got to let this thing burn for a second because it's it's going to go out <laughs> so we know that the the servant candle had to light all of these others you couldn't light it any other way you couldn't you can't just take a you know a big lighter and just start from right to left or left to right and it has to be lit using the servant candle. Well, the same, the same servant, now we, when, we talk about, when we talk about Advent, that first candle, what did we say that was? That was the hope candle. And we talked about how the, the servant, the servant Jesus is the, is the hope of the world. He's our hope. The second candle was, was the candle of peace. And we know that Jesus, the light of the world, was the Prince of Peace. He is the Prince of Peace. The pink candle, the third one, we know is the joy candle. Jesus is the, the is the reason, or the, the we have joy. And then the last candle was that of love, the love candle. And we know, and we know from the Bible that God is love. You know, Jesus also said of himself, no greater love is this he would lay down his life for a friend. So the, the perfect picture of love is Christ himself. As we learn from, from Hanukkah and the menorah and, the, and these candles, that Jesus is the light of the world. You know, that's, that, that's, that's a very important thing not to miss. And you all have an assignment. Because where I'm standing... You know I, I, I might not be able to see if those candles get about Yetal will somebody say, hey, blow out the menorah <laughs> you know I'm not going to I'm not going to be super long today because it's Christmas Eve and I know all you guys want to you know you got stuffs to do, but I do want to look at four gifts today. You might have four gifts if you think about this, you'll put this together. I'll be reading Matthew Matthew chapter two. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes and the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be. Why would, you know, let's just stop there for a second. Why would this, this trouble Herod? You, you know, you you got these guys from way far away coming and saying, where's, where's the guy born king of the Jews? Well, if you were the, the, the earthly king of the Jews... <laughs> Might not, might not that represent a bit of a threat to you? <laughs> you know, so now Herod's like, oh wait a minute. You you know, this guy—they're saying this guy is the king of the Jews. Mind you, Herod killed one of his own sons because he was afraid his son was going to try to to, you know, take his throne. You know, so he guarded that thing. You know. You, you know with, with all passion, and he was, Herod was not just going to hand his throne over. So now these, these, these guys from the, from, from the east come and say, hey, where's, where's the king of the Jews? That caught Herod's attention. He's like, oh, no. So he, he, he asked him about where this, where, where this king of the Jews is, and he said, so they said to him in Bethlehem in Judea, for thus it is written by the prophets, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not... To, the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Mind you, while the, the wise men are explaining this, the I, I could picture Herod getting more and more concerned. You, you know, so, and, and there's actually, and I'm not going to spend much time on this, I was talking about this a little bit last night after church, but I think there's even you know, a message in who these Magi are. Magi is, the actual word used in the original language is Magi. It's not wise men. I have no issue calling them wise men. Why? Because they're probably the smartest people You know, in this Christmas story. I mean, they were able to look at what the prophets had to say. They recognized the star and they're like, well, wait a minute. You know, the Messiah must be here. The king of the Jews must be here. Here's the problem with it. The, the word magi, and, and, and this, this, again, this is something I want to talk about after church. The, the word magi, um, actually, if you look at the semantic range, which is you know, the different things it can mean in the original language, it does, wise man does not fit, king does not fit, none of these things fit. Magi, is, in, in the original language, is a sorcerer or an astrologer. So we're, we're not talking about, you know, what's an astrologer? Somebody who looks for wisdom in the stars, which might've been why they, you know, the star caught their attention. I don't know. But here's the, the, the really interesting thing about this, because in fact, there, there's no evidence to support they were anything other than sorcerers or, or the, the astrologers. I know we try to make it sound good. We like to call them wise men. We like to, we like, like I said, some people way back then made them into kings, I guess, because these extravagant, these extravagant gifts. You know, some, we even say, well, there's three of them. We don't even know how many of them they were. We just know that there were three gifts. We don't know how many magi there were. Here's, here's this little thing, and this is for you to tuck away, and everything I'm saying, please look it up yourself. You know, I'm not asking you to take my word for any of this. You know, you know, look at the original text, it's, it's online, it's easy, it's free, it's all these things. If you look, it's Magi, look at what the different meanings, and, and you'll see what I'm saying is, is, is true here. But is this part of the Christmas story that, that Herod and his scribes and all these folks, they didn't recognize what had happened? They missed the coming of Messiah. But these folks from the other side, they saw it. You you know, I I was mentioning, I think it was last week, I did the uh, sermon on the voice of the prophets, and I'm like, how could you not look at the text, the the Hebrew text, and, and not realize that, hey, this Jesus, he's the one. How could you not look at the words of the prophets and, and, and deny... How could you look at it and deny that Jesus was the one? Well, these magi, like I said, there's... And if you, you just take it for what it says, the only other time magi is used in the entire Bible was actually magus, which is a singular. Luke uses it for Simon the sorcerer, the guy that wanted to buy the ability to heal and cast out demons. You, you know, so this is... You know, again, if you look at just the text... The world caught it, but his own people didn't. You know, that's, that's, that's just. And again, look this up. Don't, please, don't take my word on anything. Never, 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 never. This is, this is how we get the sheep mentality or the lemming, the lemming mentality. When somebody jumps off a cliff, everybody else jumps, it's because nobody checks. Nobody fact checks. Nobody looks things up. I'm encouraging you on this and everything I ever say up here. Check it for yourself. I don't want you to have my faith, or I don't want you to have my understanding. I want you to have your own. But so now these magi, it says, Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them when, you know, what time the star appeared. Why is this so important? And I'm we'll get back to that. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And while you have found him, bring back word to me that I might come and worship him also. Did Herod want to worship Jesus? Oh, no, 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 no. And this is what's so important that that, that we see when when we're placing kind of the chronological story here he says, it says that Herod asked them when the star appeared. So the wise men or the magi, whichever you choose, if, if they were to go from uh, Jerusalem to where the Christ child was, don't quote me on the exact number of days, but I believe it was somewhere between 10 and 15 days travel. You know, so it's, it's so then after a while, Herod realized that they weren't coming back. It says, when, continuing with nine, it says, "...when they heard the king, they departed, and behold the star which they had seen in the east, and went before them, until it came and stood over where the young child was. And they saw the star, and they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when, And when they had come into the house..." They saw the young child and marry his mother and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented to him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country in another way. So why is Herod asking, when this star appeared, why is that important? Because we see, we, we see the true heart of Herod here because when he realized he was duped, that they weren't coming back you know, to say, hey, this is where the, you know, the, you know, the, the, the Christ child is at 359 1st Street. and I'm, I'm just making whatever. This is where you find him. Because they didn't do that, Herod's like, well, well, wait a minute, they didn't come back. So what is his response? He sends the Roman army... Into where the Christ child was, and he orders them to, to kill every Jewish male to and under. So we we know that the, the wise men were so far away, it probably took them about two years to get there. You want to talk about faith. And again, this is why I love calling them wise men, because they were very wise men. If if I was so familiar with the Hebrew text that when I saw the sign in the heavens, that I dropped what I was doing and spent two years just to worship this child. That is faith. That is, so that almost makes me think, well, maybe, maybe their faith would encourage me to believe that maybe they were on the right side of things. They, they, definitely, uh, they, they, definitely, they definitely had it down more than Herod. Let's talk about these gifts. Actually, we're going to read just the first 12. Four four gifts. The first gift is gold. Why is this important? And again, this is this is why, this is why that the, the the I too say that that these wise men were so smart. They understood who Jesus was. This first gift, gold. What is who do you give gold to? You give gold to a king. It says in Revelation 19, verse 13 and 16, of course this is talking about the future now, it says, He was clothed with a robe, dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. So why why did I do 13 before 16? Because it's very important, because it says his name is the Word of God. This passage of Revelation is saying that they were talking about Jesus because Jesus is the Word of God. We see that in the very, very beginning of John. In the beginning it was... He was the Word, he was with the Word, he was the Word. You know, he, Jesus is the Word of God. So, 16 says, And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. So Jesus is absolutely king. He is king of all creation. He is the king of all kings. He's the Lord of all lords. He's the ruler of all rulers. He's 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 He's, he's top dog. He's the cat's meow. He's all of these things. He is the king. And the wise men understood this. Why is him being a king matter to us? Because that means that he has dominion over us. He has dominion over our lives. Let me tell you something else that a king does. A king protects those who are under him. A king takes care of his folks. A king uses his power and his authority to keep his people safe. Does God not do that for us? Does Jesus, as King of kings, does he not protect us? I've quoted that passage in Deuteronomy many, many times where he goes before us and makes makes the way safe. Jesus, Jesus, probably on a daily basis, uses his power and his authority and his dominion to protect you. And again, I've said this, but if you made it here today, you had the protection of God in your life. You have. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. What was the next thing that they gave? Frankincense. You might ask, what is frankincense? Actually, we see interesting uses for frankincense. We've learned that frankincense oil, you can rub it on achy things and it actually makes you feel better. But that wasn't the significance in the story. Frankincense was burned in the temple. It was, it was, it was, it was burned as a, as a sweet aroma. It was a, 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 a sweet aroma to, to the Father. And it, was, it was actually burned by the priests. Was Jesus a priest? Well, let's see uh, what Hebrew says. Hebrews 4 14 through 16 says seeing that we have seeing that we seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens Jesus the son of God let us hold fast our confession we do not have a high priest we, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses but was was in all points tempted as we are and yet without sin Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may have obtained his mercy and his grace to help us in our time of need. So the writer of Hebrews calls Jesus the high priest. Okay, why does that mean anything to us? You know, why does does Jesus being a high priest, what difference would that make to us? What What did a priest do? A priest was an advocate, a priest was your representative to God. Before Christ, you had to go through a person to obtain forgiveness. You had to perform, they had to perform sacrifices that you provided, and they had to do this work on your behalf for you to connect with and to be forgiven by the Father. So why is Jesus being a high priest so important. It's important because Jesus is your access now to the Father. You don't have to go anywhere else. You don't have to go to somebody who, who has a fancy title. You don't have to go even sit in like a confessional and and, and can kind of spill out your guts to another person and ask them to, to kind of you know, to go to God for you, for your forgiveness. You don't have to do any of that stuff anymore. That was the old way, the new way, because Jesus is the high priest. You go straight to Jesus. Jesus is your advocate. Jesus is, our, is the one mediator between God and man. There's no other mediator. You can't come to me as a pastor and say, will you, t- will you, will you get this word to God? I can't do that. Only Jesus can get your your prayers and your concerns to the Father. He is your mediator. He is your intermediary. He's everything. He's your connection. He's your main line to the Father, who has ultimate authority over everything. Jesus is your king. He is your priest. These wise men, they got it. They got it. What is that? That is myrrh. What in the world? Myrrh actually had a number of uses. Uh, Myrrh was actually used in anointing. If I recall from my studies, I believe you had to have been royalty to to have been anointed with myrrh. Don't hold me to that, but I'm pretty sure that's what it was. We're talking about the years now since I've read this. But here's the important thing when it comes to Christ. Myrrh was used to, to... to treat dead bodies. So I guess, well, what does that mean? Why would this be a gift? Let's look at two, two passages. Hebrews 9.12 says, "...not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most high place, and once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption." John 1.29 says, And the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and saying, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So what do these two things mean? The, the, the myrrh or this embalming type fluid, you know, that help you, the, the stinky body smell a little better or to prepare the body, they recognized, they understood the text to mean that Messiah would be a sacrifice. The wise men understood this. They understood. Why is that important to us? I've asked that question about everything else. Because we had to use, before Jesus, we had to use the blood of goats and calves to to access the holy place. And it was a temporary thing. But Jesus came to be the ultimate sacrifice so that we no longer had to sacrifice goats and calves rams and sheep and, 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 and lambs and all these things but Jesus became the sacrifice and it wasn't just a temporary thing that you had to do every year on the, on the day of atoning. This was something that when Jesus died on the cross and was our sacrifice, it was a forgiveness once and for all. Do you realize when Jesus died and, and you were forgiven, it, it, it's, it, it was everything that you've ever done Everything you are now doing and everything you ever will do. That's the kind of forgiveness that Christ's sacrifice brings to us. They got it. They got it. His own people missed it. The I got it. You know, I've been talking a lot this year about Joseph and Mary. It's like, you know, how, how would this have... Uh, how would these gifts have have, have kind of impacted them? You know, when when they took Jesus to be presented in the temple and to make the the required sacrifice of the doves, remember this story? They they ran into a a, a prophet in the temple named Simeon. And and Simeon, God had promised Simeon that, that before you die, you will see the Messiah. So they're walking out with Jesus like, whoa, that's him. And he held the Christ child. And he said said something that I can't even imagine having this said to me as a parent. This child is going to pierce your heart. And he was probably more specifically speaking directly to Mary because Mary was the only one still there. This child is going to pierce your heart. If you're married, it's like, well, what, kind of a, what kind of a word is that? Now these guys from the Far East come and they, they bring you gold. Hey, well, that's cool. Frankincense? Yeah, that's cool. Myrrh. They, they bring your child an embalming fluid type thing. You, you know, this would have been, this, I can't even imagine what, what it would have been like to have been a parent. Of the, of, of the Christ child. But he is king. He is priest. And he is sacrifice. What is the fourth gift? It wasn't something given to him. It was something given to you. Given to you. you You wouldn't have even been thought of yet by anybody in in this earth. Back when the Father gave us His Son, the Father knew you were going to exist. And He gave you a present nearly 2,000 years before you were born. The greatest gift anybody could ever give you was given to you on the morning that we celebrate as Christmas. The Father gave you his son. His son. I have three daughters. Would I give you any one of them, even the ones that don't like me? No. That, that's, that's, the thing, that's, that's the thing about the Father. He loves so big. He loves in a way that, that surpasses my own comprehension and ability. The Father gave you His only Son at Christmas. Jesus, Jesus gave you Himself. He knew. He knew before He came here. He knew what His fate was. He knew. You know, if the Magi, if the Magi got it, Do you not think that Jesus got it? (laughs) He knew. He was part of the the rule-making system that would have even required his own blood. Have you ever thought about that? God made the rules. God made the rules that there's no forgiveness of sin without the, the shedding of blood. God made those rules. And yet he made rules that would require his own son's life. Why? Because no greater love is this that he would lay down his life for a friend. God could not demonstrate you for to you or for you any more his love for you than to offer up his own son. The Christ could not show you any in any greater way how much he loves you than to take your place on the cross. That is your gift. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You can't work your way into heaven. You can't work your way into God's favor. You can't work your way into righteousness. It can't be done. You know, what is, what, is, what is my definition of religion? I've talked about this many, many times. What is my definition of religion? My definition of religion, and it's why I hate religion. I, I, I am not a religious person. My definition of, 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 of religion is what we do to try to earn God's favor. That's what religion is. Think about other religions. Let's think, what about Muslims? You know, radical Islam some of the crazy stuff that they do. Why are they doing it? Is it because they like killing people? Well, they might. I don't know. But what I do know is that when they kill, when they do things like crash planes in the towers, in their own mind, they are trying to, they are trying to honor who they believe God is. That's religion. or some of these other faiths who think by just being a good person, by doing your best and, and loving people and, and, and being nice to puppies and, and, and wearing you know, different things, you know, that, that is all religion. But this relationship that we have has nothing to do with religion. It's a relationship, and that relationship is a gift that was given to us at Christmas. You know, again, you were given the greatest gift imaginable. There's only one way to respond to that type of gift. There's only one way to respond to that type of gift. If you've never asked Jesus into your heart, Never, ever, ever, if you've never said, God, I get it, I need you, I need you, I can't do it without you, if you've never made that prayer, your only response, your only proper response to a gift like that is to give yourself to Him and say, God, I need you, to love Him back. There's a lot of us here that served the Lord for a long time though. The only proper response for a believer to a gift like that is guess what? It's the same thing. Love him back. Give him your all. He 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 gave you everything that he had to offer. And he's asking you to give him the same back. That's all he wants. He doesn't want your stuff. It's all his. He doesn't, he doesn't want anything from you but your heart. So I'm just, we're all going if, to, if, we're all going to pray this, this, this prayer together. If, you're a believe, if you've not been a believer before and you've not made this prayer, this would be the first time The Bible tells us the angels of heaven rejoice. But if you've been a believer for a while, I just ask that you repeat this prayer after me. There's nothing religious about it, but mean what we're saying because it needs to be a relationship. Can you do that? Can you pray this? Just say, Lord. Nobody can say that. "Lord, Lord, I need you. I love you. Thank you for your gift. My gift to you is my heart. Thank you, my God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.